You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We're back with our Redefining Rural podcast. This may be the first time in a long time that Danielle Kirk and I have all been at the same podcast at the same time. So I feel really lucky about that. I'm really glad to have two guests doing some some just, I don't know, innovative and game-changing work in rural schools with regard to uh, educator recruitment and retention. We've got Dave Slothauer, who's the superintendent in the Calhan School District, and then uh, Katie, Dr., sorry, Dr. Katie Anderson-Pence, who is the associate, an associate dean at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, also a, a gold sponsor of the Alliance for a long time. So we're really grateful for your partnership in all regards. Um, Dave, we'll start with you. Well, tell us a little bit about Callahan, where you are, how big you are, those sort of things. And then tell us, Tell us what got you to this. Um, it's a federal apprenticeship program for educators. And tell us about how you got there and how it's going. Sure. Well, we are a small rural district. We're about 35, 37 miles northeast of Colorado Springs in the northeastern corner of El Paso County. Um, we're 460 students pre-K through 12. Um, we are all located in one building, which is a, a fact that I absolutely love about my, my district. And um, like a lot of rural schools, we were experiencing, you know, the effects of what I'll call the teacher exodus. Um, looking at the, the potential, we had um, uh, teaching positions that we couldn't fill. And for a lot of reasons, I mean, one of them being the remote nature of where we're situated. So um, we realized during the pandemic how how heavily we had relied upon our power paraprofessionals to carry a lot of the load. When teachers were out because they were being quarantined or whatever, we really uh, leaned on our paras uh, to a great degree. Um, and so we started out really with the notion of, of building a training program that was so robust. And the, the way we framed it was we wanted this to be so robust that by the time they reached the end, they would really be considering taking that next step and, and pursuing a license possibly. We wanted, we wanted to go to that level. Uh, and the other thing that I think influenced us greatly was, you know, I have paras in our building and I don't know how common this is, but we had many paras with 15 and 17 years of experience in our building. And um, it seemed odd that, you know, under the TERP program, someone who with, with no teaching background, but a degree could get a, a seat in the TERP program, but, but not be able to teach. Whereas someone who's been delivering instruction for 15 to 20 years, wouldn't have that option. And it felt as though there was an opportunity, there was, a, there was a workforce available to us that maybe we weren't accessing, especially in this time of what I really consider as a crisis. And so as we were building out the training program, uh, we came into, we, we uh, got in touch with uh, Dr. Anderson Pence and um, she let us know about some work that was being done, I believe in Tennessee, is that right, Dr. Pence? That is, is where correct. That Yep. And, I, and I think there was a parallel as to what we were building and what had already been built, but was really a, a fully approved, federally recognized apprenticeship program. And so to shift our focus from where we initially intended to what she was aware of and, and to bring UCCS on as a partner was was really a, a pretty obvious move to make. And so um, 
Talk a little bit about what, what uh, we'll ask you some more details about the partnership and what the training looks like. First, tell us, because not everybody that listens is in the education world. What is a paraprofessional and what does that role look like typically in a rural district? And then what does it mean to get a fed, to be part of a federal apprenticeship program? Does that come with money? Does that come with requirements? Does it come with both? Yeah, so a paraprofessional, sometimes in some districts referred to as an educational assistant, is exactly that. That's an unlicensed person, classified employee, that is willing to work with a, a licensed teacher and help with the delivery of instruction. So in, in large chunks, uh, teachers design instruction a lot of times. Many times this is associated with special education services, and paras assist in the delivery of those services. So, And then your second part of that question was the financial requirements for an apprenticeship program? Would Just you... why a federal apprenticeship? And maybe that's a question for Dr. Pence, but what are the benefits of getting that, that status, so to speak? I think one of the things it does, and, and Dr. Pence, just jump in where you want, but it, it does require to, to build a pretty um, a pretty definite framework. It does, I think, focus your thinking on where you want that to go. But beyond that, perhaps um, apprentices in a registered apprenticeship program are eligible for certain federal supports that would not be available to them absent that registration. Right. And another important part of a to be a registered apprenticeship that they look for is that the the apprentices are building skill. They're learning they're learning the skill of their trade, so to speak, um, but they're also being compensated for it. So learning while earning is a huge part of an apprenticeship. And we saw that as a great opportunity to remove some of these barriers um, for the paraprofessionals that were already in the classroom, but didn't really see a path forward for them to get that teaching license. Um, so helping that helping them along that path was a big part of our our motivation to develop the registered apprenticeship program. I think the other, yeah, it's a great point. And I think the other thing that really was important to us is, you know, there are a lot of alternative uh, paths to licensure that are being talked about and developed right now. But some of those are, you know, a, a three years from now solution. We were in a situation where we, we really needed an August of 22 solution. And so this would this would uh, allow us to admit those uh, those candidates that had uh, at least 2,700 hours already with experience delivering instruction, working with master teachers. So it's a different little bit than maybe some of the uh, some of the trade union apprenticeship programs you've heard about where there's really, you come in as, as an apprentice with not necessarily prior knowledge. Does that make sense? Whereas this apprenticeship does require some prior knowledge and some prior skill acquisition uh, before the, the acceptance happens, which then allows us to put them to work and, and, and create an on-the-job training scenario, which was really important for us. And, and frankly, for the other, uh, I, 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 this district is part of the Pikes Peak BOCES. This is nine rural districts in the area. And we, we offered this program to, the, to my colleagues in those rural districts who were experiencing the same uh, issues that we were. And uh, so these, the apprenticeship uh, program currently as it stands is, is staffing apprentices here in my district, as well as I think it's five other districts and one outside of the BOCES actually that we've um, included as well. And are the teachers serving as what we would call the teacher of record in your classroom? Are they? They are. Or they, they are. They are the teacher of record, right. As now I will say, uh, it's it's gone well. One of the things that we did was we we uh, created a, a grant funded position um, for a specific 
coach for our apprentices, which is right here in the building. And I think that wraparound support, when I think about the level of support we have for our apprentices, I got to tell you, I am questioning why we haven't provided this level of support for a first year licensed teacher and the benefits we're seeing from it, um, which includes, you know, we, we acknowledge in our learning, whereas our paraprofessionals and our apprentices, and they're coming in as former paras, have experience with delivery. What they don't have experience with this is design, instructional design. And so our supports uh, line up around those things, at, for, for example. Um, but the other, I think some of the other advantages that we've noticed is um, most of the, following this path, you're hiring people by and large that are already members of your community. So they live here in town, they live in the district. They already know what they're getting into because they've been working here for three years and far beyond. So they know what, unlike, you know, sometimes a first year licensed teacher, they're sort of not fully aware of the complete weight of the job having, having student taught. Whereas our parents have a really good understanding of that. And again, the fact that they live here and are, you know, consciously choosing this, I think, I think we will see a tie into longevity, which of course is going to be important to us going forward. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Dr. Anderson Pence, um, talk to us a little bit about how the university ties in with this partnership with rural districts and, and how to help us better understand how that works. Sure. So, um, one of the required um, elements of a registered apprenticeship program is that it be connected to a um, a training service provider, I think is the language. I might be wrong on that. Um, but a, a sequence of coursework to to help the apprentices gain skills, gain skills and knowledge. So we developed a two-year course sequence for the apprentices to go through. Um, they take two classes a semester in, in tandem, um, one right after the other. Um, the first year of the co coursework, all of the apprentices take the same courses, sort of introdu introductory courses in um, um, lesson planning, um, um, practicum type of things. Um, let's see, what else are they doing? Educational psychology, um, intro to inclusive education and special education, and um, a, diverse, a diversity class, multicultural education type of class. Um, in the second year, they sort of, they separate a little bit into um, elementary and secondary, depending on what their pathway is for, like, for, um, for teaching our elementary um, apprentices take some more some course methods courses in early childhood math and and literacy um, another practicum seminar support class and um, another special education focused class in transitions um, our secondary education folks um, take more courses in content of the con whatever content it is that they're they're teaching whether it be um, science math um, social studies and or English um, so all of, all of, we designed it in a way that all of the coursework that they're taking can be transferred into a degree program towards that teaching license, toward a bachelor's degree, should they choose. So across your five districts then that you're working with, what's your total enrollment in your program? I think at this point, we have 13 apprentices placed, and then we have two or three that we would consider unplaced apprentices. So what we're doing is we're offering the training and the coursework through UCCS for those paras that really are interested in this, but don't in their buildings have a placement available to them right now, so that we would consider them unplaced apprentices. And then 
We also developed, uh, Dr. Anderson Pence makes a great case. We really, we really designed this with the intent to hopefully build it so it does encourage them at that point to continue on and you know secure the degree and the license and that sort of thing. Um, and we we do that by we've we've developed a separate salary scale for our our apprentices, and I think that's a, a critical piece. Because to be honest with you, it just it's my opinion that it, it's really probably unrealistic to think that people will pursue degree later in life at $15 an hour or $16 an hour. So that the giving putting them on a salary makes that economically feasible then to continue on with uh, with this educational studies uh, as part of that. And then also if they when they complete the two-year program, so the year one apprentice two-year apprentice. And at that point, when they complete it, we consider them to be credentialed apprentices. And that means they can take a record of their level of training. And uh, within the BOCES, we have an MOU to recognize that as someone we would be willing to offer a position to. And once they become a credentialed apprentice, then for them to continue, they have to continue, just like every other teacher in the building, they have to continue to acquire credits uh, on up into our, our, our step one, which would be the BA level. Does that, if that's clear? Yep. Have the other districts that are involved adopted that same model? Have they also revised their salary schedule and done um, some similar upgrades to their infrastructure? Yeah, so the, the model has been adopted. The details are really dist district level decisions. But I think I think university, I'm not aware of anyone who has not adopted the model. There are some variations as to the numbers and the and the the passage through the salary scale there or the, the apprentice scale, but but they've all adopted the model. And Dave, when you were talking at first, you, um, in order for someone to become apprentice and be part of this program, I think you 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 said that they had to they have had to have certain hours that they were already experienced in a school. It looks like so twenty seven hundred hours it comes out to about two years of experience as a paraprofessional or verified experience working with children in the age group that they're they're looking to work with. So as I said, different than other, some other apprentices, to be accepted into the program, you need to come with some verification of acquired skill. So what advice would you have for other leaders that are looking to start a similar program? What are the first steps? What should they consider? What should they, they be aware of in trying to develop a model like this in their own community? Right. Um, Dr. Pence mentioned you, you do need that training partner. And UCCS has been an absolutely phenomenal partner with us. I mean, we, this would not have been possible without that partnership. So I would say, uh, you know, in, in terms of my recommendation, reach out to Dr. Anderson Pence and uh, have her put the paper feet on the floor for you because she can she can walk you into the target. We also enlisted the help of Carrie Sigmund from the Colorado uh, Urban Workforce Alliance. And she was sort of our interpreter. She would help interpret things from ed speak into Department of Labor speak for us, which is, a, I think, a really critical thing as well uh, through the actual application process and what the application has to look like and the language that they need for this to be approved. Now, having said all that, um, you know, that this ability for our apprentices to access their, um, their, their coursework remotely is a very big uh, important part of this because right. we mentioned the proximity issue for all all rural schools it's always that access to the training whether it's professional development in this uh, aspect or or career technical education 
the, the proximity piece is big for us. So that remote access, I, I'd say, is really, really critical. Um, and then, you know, determine need and the back, I'm going to hand this off to Dr. Pence here in a minute, but to think hard about the, the onboarding services for your apprentices that you're going to want to uh, put in place on site or access in some way to, to address those gaps that you can anticipate. I, the big one I mentioned to you is that instructional design or lesson planning. So Dr. Pence, your thoughts. Yeah, I think one of the biggest um, factors of success that we've had is having someone to provide that wraparound support for the apprentices. Um, in this case, that, that's the same person who is the instructor of the courses that, that they take um, through the university. So the courses are online asynchronous. However, there's an element of in-person connection with that because she is the one teaching the classes and she sees them um, if not in person, she connects with them on Zoom um, quite quite regularly and can have those conversations with them with that wraparound support. Who covers the costs of the UCCS piece? Um, so UCCS pays pays the for the instruction. Um, we pay the instructor just as we would normally any of our other lecturers in other programs. But is there a cost to the students for the as there would a typical program? Who covers that? The districts or the the district is, yeah, though the district is paying that out of you know professional development funds. Actually, the PD budget is covering that. And to be honest with you, because this is, I mean, easily qualified as professional development, I think title funds would come into play here as well. Are there any grants or anything that you've been able to access at this point for either salaries or any of it? The the mentor. We did. The, the grant I mentioned earlier for the, the coach that we hired uh, oh, to right. take this load is for, was from the mentor grant that was offered last year. Right. And that's that was a state grant. Yes. Yeah. And I know you've gotten the attention. You've mentioned meetings with the White House, so to speak, on numerous occasions. Sounds like this is uh, rather relatively new, the apprenticeship, the educator apprenticeship. Is that is that fair? Uh, Dr. Pence, Tennessee, with the, Tennessee was the first. Am I right about that? I'm not sure what the mm -hmm. what the history on that is, to be honest with you. Yeah, Tennessee was the first K-12 registered apprenticeship, te registered teacher apprenticeship in the country. And that really paved the way, really has paved the way for other programs in other states, in other states to do to do similar things, to, to recognize even in a traditional program, really what what our what Kid, what kids, students are doing um, is an apprenticeship. We ask them to do practicum. We ask them to do student teaching, but typically we don't pay them to do that. And that's a huge issue, a huge ask of, of students to put that aside and work for free. Um, so this apprenticeship sort of helps bridge that, um, something that has been in industry for quite a bit. And so it's really neat to see um, how it's how education has now connected to that as well. Well, that that's fantastic. It's it's great to to hear all the work that you guys are doing, especially um, as we like to highlight a lot of rural innovation. And so, once again, it just proves what an amazing thing rural is with regards to thinking outside the box. So, very much appreciate uh, Dave and Dr. Pence for your guys's work on this, and really appreciate it. Uh, any vi visions of of where you take this next? Uh. In terms of my district, I mean, the, the, the system is built. 
we're going to use it. We're going to use it across the BOCES. We anticipate, in fact, we're looking, we had a, just a, a mid-year uh, resignation due to uh, pregnancy here, and we're, we've posted, but we have not had any. I mean, I, when I talk about the teacher exodus, I really like to frame it this way. We will typically, and I'm not, I'm not unusual in this respect, we'll post for six months and not receive even one application. Um, that's becoming the norm. And so uh, we're interviewing, I think, tomorrow, an apprentice candidate uh, to fill that. Um, and again, a couple of advantages here is that just because you're just because you're a paraprofessional and you're eligible for the program does not mean that you're going to be placed. You still have to stand through the, the uh, interview process. Um, it's still the building principal's decision whether or not to place that person. But one possible advantage is we are then in a position to be able to hire someone whose work we have seen for two, three, or more years, um, which is really significantly different when we hire, you know, from out from the economy, if, if I'll put it that way. Um, and so uh, uh, we've, we've just been very pleased with our, um, with our apprentices. I know in speaking to my colleagues across the BOCES, they're pleased with the work they're seeing from their apprentices. And uh, I, I once put it to a, a group of superintendents. I said, look, all of us in the circle have been teachers. And I'm asking you, what percentage of your effectiveness as a teacher was due to content knowledge? And what percentage of your effectiveness was due to the ability to effectively deliver instruction? And I think all of us that have been in the job, it's our ability to deliver that makes us great teachers to a, to a great extent. And so I think what excites me about this program is our ability to access that talent pool that has demonstrated skill at that instructional delivery. Are you worried that you're going to run out of paraprofessionals? I mean, is that the next great shortage? I don't think they're a dime a dozen as it comes. Yeah, I should mention that. A couple, couple of really uh, beneficial things that we sort of fell backwards into. We made it public what we were doing and went to a job fair. And typically for years, we've gone to job fairs and prospected for teachers. But because we opened this pathway to becoming a teacher or you know, a credentialed apprentice, we actually had people come to us seeking paraprofessional jobs. And it occurred to us, you know, we've never really prospected at job fairs for paraprofessionals. But because they're willing to be hired as a paraprofessional, accumulate the hours they need the hours they need then to be accepted into the apprenticeship program and it opened up a whole nother stream of prospecting that we hadn't accessed before i don't know why it just hadn't occurred to us um so that was uh, something that we backed into um i should probably mention um you know there, there have been i was uh, anticipating there would be some opposition to what we were trying to do um I, I thought the association might be my first call, but I have not heard from them since this all began. Um, in fact, uh, in, in almost all categories, uh, people have been very, very supportive. I think I hope that's because, and I think it's because they, as we do, recognize just the dire need for an, a program like this. Yeah, we're actually expecting some legislation from CareerWise, which is our state apprenticeship program moving forward, if, essentially the equivalent of the um, federal apprenticeship program for educators. So yeah, I, I, I don't expect opposition to that. Yeah, and any, if anything we can do at Calhan, I know, uh, I, I'm sure Dr. Pence feels the same way. Any information we can we can give, we're, we're more than happy to do that. We'll put you in touch with the people that we spoke to. Um, the process was surprisingly, I thought, um, accessible. So it, it certainly it certainly can be done. There's just a few things that you want to make sure that you've got in place. We mentioned those, um, but if we can be helpful to, to to fill that need, we're happy to 
happy to do that. Well, thank thank you guys so much. We really appreciate uh, hearing about the great program that you're doing, and definitely listeners, as you hear that, uh, please reach out to uh, us on the Redefining Rural team, and we'll put you in touch with Dave and Dr. Pence as far as as communication. But thank you so much for the the great work that you're doing for the students of your area and across the Pikes Peaks BOCES. And hopefully we'll see this innovation expand across the state of Colorado so we get more, more teachers to fill that gap that we're, we're seeing. So thank you so much.